The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk But No Politics Okay. I am your host, Andrew Lenz, and anybody knows this is a show where we just pick random topics about anything going on, whether it's in your childhood or just questions you might have about movies or anything else. And today, I'd like to say that this episode is sponsored by The Ground Round. The Ground Round is a great restaurant. Come on down. Get yourself a free balloon, get some popcorn at the table, and kids, they pay their weight, they pay whatever their weight is. If your kid weighs a certain amount of weight, then that's all you pay. Come on down to the ground round. So today's episode is kind of a very nostalgic episode for me, a little bit more than the other ones I would have to say. This is about Little League or in some places that I've learned it's called recreational baseball. And I did little leagues for, geez, since I was five until I was 12, just constant baseball, little league, doing everything as well. And today I brought in my favorite shortstop of all time. Uh, My kids have never met him, but they know his name because I still talk about him to this day, just because when I was playing first base, he got me the ball. But for the one time, I was a little upset because he wanted to play first base and I ended up having to play second base and I didn't like that at all. But without further ado, Mr. Joe Kasha. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. I actually don't remember that at all, me wanting to play first base, so they moved you to second. It's funny. It's, it was the, I think it was the only time in my life where I was like, I literally hate this guy. It was like one of the last oh, you games. were built for first base. Yeah. It was like the last game of the season. And you were like, Coach George, can I play first base? And he was like, yeah, go for it. And then he was like, Andrew, where do you want to play? I'm like. I don't know. First, <laughs> that that was like my position was like first base, right? And then he was like, "How about second? And I'm like, "Whatever." And then I got out there, and it was like a deer in headlights to me. Like I had no idea where to go. I watched somebody play the position like all the time at first base, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, am I the cutoff man for this? Am I not the cutoff man for this?" I couldn't even uh... like, comprehend. So. You gotta pay attention to practice. You gotta pay attention to practice, man. That's I think that's gonna be the, the most fun part for me today in talking with you about this is the memories that you'll probably have that I have no idea even happened and I've totally forgotten about. And then my memories that I have that you probably have no idea and have forgotten about. I think um, you know, reflecting on those and just you know, hearing those is gonna be it's gonna be really interesting, I think. Yeah, I'm because I never even we didn't play together until we got to the majors. Majors, correct. Yeah. Yes. So that's was your what second age, year. Huh? 10, 11 and ten, 10, 11 and twelve, I believe, was the majors. Yes. I remember you were you were a get. You were a get. <laughs> you were well, you were a get. You know, I tell you, my my ten year old year was probably 
the best baseball, little league baseball team I've ever played on, um, which will mean nothing to the people who listen to the show if we rifled off names of people, but it was just a collection of a really, really good baseball talent. And we, we actually won the city championship, I think two years in a row when I was 10 and 11 years old. And I was a non-contributor when I was 10, trust me. When I was 10, we, the, the team that we had was way above my skill level. And um, we, we dominated that city championship. And when I was 11, you know, I, yeah, I progressed a little bit, got a little better and I had good playing time. But man, those Pirates teams that we were on had some, had some good ball players. Yeah, they were. I remember because uh, my dad was the manager, and I remember him walking out of the draft and coming home. And he just mentioned who he got when he got you, uh, DeMarco. Yeah. I remember there was Probably another one where he was like Brian super... Beaver, I would imagine. Brian Beaver came with me. Okay. So that was Tyrone Bell. Tyrone Bell. Yeah, I think it was, was T. Player. It was yeah. Tyra, it was UT, DeMarco, and Patrice Freelock. Ah, yes. He drafted yeah. all four of you guys, and he he walked out and he said, I'm winning the city tournament this year. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I did not know that, but that doesn't yes. surprise me. First of all, first of all, a major shout out to to Andrew's dad, Coach George, was <laughs> the epitome of whirlpool baseball. Whirlpool was the league that we played in in Niagara Falls. And, it, and when you think of Whirlpool baseball, you think of two people, in my opinion. I want to see if you can name the other one. One is George Lenz. Who's the other one? Mr. Micklin. Tom Micklin, 100%. Yes. And, and his son to this day, I think, still is involved um, with Little League. I'm not 100% sure about that, too. He, so. he is not. Oh, he's not. Okay. He okay. is not. So, Oh, that's that's a kind of a shame because I know his son was very involved at one point. But yeah, Whirlpool Baseball, the 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 image, everything, if you think Whirlpool Baseball, you think George Lenz and you think Tom Micklin. Um, Tom Micklin poured his heart and soul into, into that league, you know, and he'd be out there every day cutting the fields, chalking the lines, you know, his wife would be doing the concessions. Um, just an, just, just the kindest man. And, um, he ended up, he, he passed away way too early, um, in life. And then coach George with the, who are we pirates? The, who are we pirates? It's just, um, there was nobody I would have rather played for in the majors than coach George. You know, I knew who he was before I even got to the majors. And, and I said to myself, I want to play for that guy. That guy seems like the guy I want to play with. He's, this is a guy who my, my favorite coach George story. And um, let me know if you remember this, because I don't know if it was when I was 10 or 11. Um, we, uh, we were playing, I can't remember, we were playing the Phillies, I want to say. And um, Dan, Morello, Dan Morello's brother, Chris Morello, was umpiring the bases. And there was just a couple, a couple questionable calls. And your dad was, he was, he was fired up. Your dad was fired up about the calls that were not going our way. And a play happened at second base where uh, the tag was high. Somebody was, somebody, I think they slid under, they called him out. Dan Morello, or Chris Morello called him out and your dad went berserk, like berserk. He went out on the field, screamed, everything. And when, when your dad, yeah, when, when George Lenz would yell, I mean, you, everybody would stop what they were doing and they would listen. You know, he was like probably what a 
140 pounds soaking wet, but this dude had the <laughs> biggest yell, man, the, the biggest voice. And he threw him out of the game. I'd never seen it in Little League Baseball before. He threw Coach George out of the game, tossed him because he went absolutely, absolutely berserk. And he comes back to the dugout with the red face and he goes, you guys needed this. This is what you needed. That's your spark plug. I'm, I'm going to go now, but you're in good hands. And I think Dominic Ventresca's dad was, was the assistant coach and he took over and he, and he, um, he, he got us all fired up. It reminded me of like such a umpire or a coach move with a fight with an umpire in the major leagues. I, I actually think we ended up coming back and winning that game too. I have some inside information on that. Is I remember that game. This is this is this is gonna be good. This is why I, I wanted to do this. I, I, you know, after I started doing this, I was thinking I should have I should have got T in on this as well. But I, oh, he would have been a good like, one, yeah, yeah. But that game, I do remember that game because I was playing first. Morello was the first base umpire, and he was gunning for Mike DeMarco. He was oh. talking to me, doing chatter in the, in the ear, in my ear, going, I, I, I don't like him. He's going to be out every single time. I don't care. He's just going to be out. He's going to be out. And I remember my dad asking me what he was saying to me, and I told him, and he was just getting pissed off just by that. Oh, yeah. And I knew he was going to get tossed because I believe uh, my stepmom was there, Joanne. And he was like, Joanne, can, can you take Andrew home? <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, he was like, I, I, I don't think it was so much plan, but I think he knew he was getting angry. And he was like, I, I, I think I'm going to get out of here. I, I, I got to get out of this game. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he, and that's when I was like, oh, my goodness. And, of course, he's my dad. So he's yelling. Right. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What are we doing? And so he got kicked out and it was like a little bit, it was a little bit like pumped, but then a little bit of like, oh my goodness. I'm glad that you enjoyed that. Cause I was like, oh my goodness, what are these, what are they going to say to me after this game? What are they going <laughs> to no, say to me? It's, it's my number one coach George memory for sure. I mean, I've got a few, but that one ranks up there and I didn't know the whole, you know, gunning for, for Mikey DeMarco there, that, which is, which seems odd to me because um, Dan Morello, who's your Chris's brother was on our Pirates dream team. He was a, he was a pirate and good, good baseball player too. So mm -hmm. I don't know if there was history there with, with, with something. So that's, that's just odd to me to hear that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but he was like chirping the whole entire time. That's, that's mm -hmm. just weird. <laughs> yeah. So, Definite, definite shout out to, to, to Mr. Lance, Coach George. He's one of my, my favorite coaches to ever play for. And, mm -hmm. and that goes for, for anything. I've played sports from, you know, the time I was five years old all the way through college. And um, by far, one of, the, one of the best coaches I've ever had. I, yeah, he, I, did, I didn't get him as a coach until that year. First year in the majors. I always yeah. think. My first so ever coach is a is another kind of. This is more. I, I look. It's, it's a little bit more centered around Niagara Falls. My yeah. first coach was uh, Jincola, Mr. Jincola. Okay, so 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 your dad and, and Mr. Jincola were kind of 
alike but totally different at the same time. They were in like in they were alike in their intensity. I would say. I remember yeah. for Mr. Giancola, I remember his intensity, just kind of like this, you know, military kind of <laughs> you know style of 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 coaching, and and he actually was a, a PE teacher at at Niagara Falls High School too, and I think I had him for a year, and that's just kind of how he was. Um, nice guy, but he was definitely very intense. Yeah, you know, to a five-year-old playing uh, in the mighty mic, <laughs> yeah. it was yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a little that's intense. That is great, man. I I'm so glad we get to throw these names around because there's going to be probably some names that I haven't heard in in uh, many years. Now that we're up there in age, did you now w did you come out to the Pirates when you were 11 or were you 10? I was did 11. You, that's what I thought. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. But I remember when, when you came on, though, it kind of completed that team. It rounded out that team because we had lost a lot of players from those city championship teams. Um, so we were, as you had mentioned, I think when you said Patrice Frelo, she was a 12-year-old, I believe, when she got drafted. So she only played one year on that Pirates team. So it was Mike DeMarco, uh, T-Bell, and myself were the 10-year-olds that kind of um, – you know, we're there for three years, and I think Tim, Timmy Kennedy, um, John Jordan, Dan Morello, um, Tommy Travers, I think was another one. Those guys, um, you know, were the were the 12-year-olds that following year, and then me, Mikey, and uh, and T. Bell were like the 12-year-olds that had been on for a while. But you you were still my age, though, right? Like you still had when when you were 11. I think I was 11, right? I'm yeah, sure. I was still. Yeah. We were the same age. Yeah. So, so when we were, when, when you were 11 and 12, you, you really rounded out that team for sure. You know, as that first baseman that we really didn't have, we had every position. It was, it was one of those things where um, we had a, a guy at every position that did really well, but we didn't have, but you kind of rounded out that first base for us. It was, it was cool. I remember, I remember Tommy Travers. He was like the most quietest kid in the world. Right. Third base. He played third. Yeah. And he could, yeah. Never, you could. I don't think I've ever seen him angry. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. A, he was. He was very. Uh, he was hilarious too when he did talk. He was a funny kid. Um, but yeah, you're right. Very, very reserved. Very quiet. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I was still thinking, have. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I still have my dad's um, city championship jacket. Oh man. Yeah, like old school yeah like 90s windbreaker just yeah. all the names on the back that's awesome i had the iron on but i think i lost it where he kept the iron on too nice nice that's that's nostalgia right there you're talking yeah. what what you're 1995 maybe yeah Somewhere in there. Somewhere around there. Yeah, 94, well, 95. You played with, yeah, because you played with Danny Banus, right? So Danny Banus was um, a 12-year-old when I was a 10-year-old. Yeah, that was he was part of that dream team. Him, Sirianni, Nick Nick DeMarco, so Mike's older brother, Nick. Um, and, yeah, you're just, the, the names on that team were insane. Otis J. Rowe, he's yeah. our catcher, Otis. Yeah, yeah, those are some, some good teams and and let's see if you were I don't know when this happened I can't remember if I was 10 or 11 when this happened because we did back-to-back -back city tournaments but do you remember at DeVoe 
um, at Maple, I always loved playing at Maple because they had the fence. And, and I, I've put a couple over that fence. I, I hit a couple home runs over that fence. It was awesome. But DeVoe was always good too, because you hit a gapper and you can run for days there. And, um, but do you remember in the city tournament where they would put that orange plastic fence all around for the city tournament? Like that, just that like uh, plasticky, it reminded me of like um, what used to hold the, the bottles of pop together, like that kind of material. They put that fence up and I was playing I, I want to say I was 10 when this happened but I was playing I think either right or left I was pretty sure I was in left field and somebody had a bomb hit a bomb and I'm running back and you're so used to there not being a fence there you know that I just completely crashed I, I broke this fence I crashed right through it went over it Ed Reuter who you know you know Ed I'm sure yeah. um, he, he's with sport your uh, enthusiasm him and Bryce Ed was playing in that game. He was against Kyuga. He he contends that I caught the ball after I plowed through the fence. I'm not 100% sure that's been confirmed, and I can't remember. But I certainly remember breaking through that orange fence and destroying it and thinking, oh, man, I totally forgot that thing was up there. I think you were 10. I think so, too, I, I want to say. I, I think when I was 11, I was, I was playing the infield by then. Yeah. You were either pitcher or short. Like I said, you're, yep. the, you're the only damn shortstop to ever get me the ball. You were like well, the only. You know what's funny is when you when you say that because usually so when I the whole do you remember when the whole all this thing too we have to talk about this when Whirlpool kind of got disbanded. I hope yeah. this was on your. I hope this was on your uh, thing to talk about. I'm not going to mention any names on this one, but somebody had complained about their kid not getting playing time so a lot of us who were we were just kind of just family at that point you know I, I lived on 20th street so my I should have been playing midtown baseball no one really ever said anything you went you you played uh whirlpool and then somebody made a huge deal and they you know I ended up getting kicked out of whirlpool because of where I lived because of residency rules and I went and I played over at Hyde Park and um, Don, Donnie Patero was our first baseman. I don't know if you know Donnie at all, no. but uh, uh, I mean Donnie, just a one in a one in a million type of dude. Just this crazy. He was just, he was just he was crazy. But I, I played shortstop. He was the first baseman, and I used to always mess with Donnie. I would throw him curveballs. Like I get I get, get a ground ball at short. And I'd throw him a curveball from over at first base. And he used to get so he used to get so pissed at me because I'd be throwing him curveballs and sliders from, from from shortstop. So I was wondering if I had done that to you or if, if I was older when that when I decided to mess with, with Donnie and do that. But hearing you say I always got you the ball probably didn't probably didn't throw too many curves your way. No, it always felt like you were like mad. And <laughs> you would just like <laughs> rocket it into the glove. Because it was yeah. you. It was you and DeMarco. I remember that playing the majority of shortstop. And it was whoever wasn't pitching right. was at shortstop. And so right. DeMarco would zing up, would, would just like loft them and just kind of toss mm -hmm. them. And I remember one yeah. time at Maple, they got they had the fence behind first base and he like just lofted one in the air. And I jumped back to try and get it, like jump up, but I was like going backwards. And I like hit up against the fence trying to get this thing and it fell because it completely went completely over my head and everybody's like, get up, get the ball. And I'm like, well, if it was right to me, we wouldn't be having this problem right now. 
And that's all I could ever think about. And when my daughter started playing first base, that's how I would like bring you, bring you up. I'm like, okay, this is what you got to do here. This is what you got to do. Now coaching is so advanced. Like my coaching is like nothing to her, but I was like, okay, you know, first base, this is where I played. This is where your uncle played. This is where we, this is like the lens position kind of. And I was showing her stuff. And then I was like, let me tell you about my favorite shortstop because he got me the ball every damn time so that's like good, that's good to know I, I i did not i did not realize that you know i didn't i don't know just was something that i didn't realize that i was i was that clutch for you so i'm glad i glad i hooked you up <laughs> yeah you did you did it always seemed like you were like angry like it would just like zip right on it well, you don't want to take a playoff, man. I was that type of kid that that didn't – I would never you – know, as routine as a play as it would be, I would always try to, you know, pretend that it was going to be a close play at first. So, I don't know. That's just kind of the player I was in, in kind of all facets of the game, especially with, with, with basketball, you know. I didn't have many talents. I could shoot. That was all I could really do. So, I had to kind of make up for everything else and just be kind of a smart player. So, I just kind of learned that way. Just give it my hundred percent every time. You're you're the answer to a trivia question for the city of Niagara Falls. I, you know what? Every time I go back there, so I'm in Virginia now, and every time I go back, I know exactly what you're talking about. I go to the casino because <laughs> that's 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 where that was at, and I try to find I try to find a slot machine that's near the near the place that I that I made that shot. And I, and I always pop a dollar in that slot machine thinking I'm going to get lucky there again, and it never works. Because <laughs> that's one of the games that I do remember because we were friends, but I remember just, like, yelling at you the whole entire game, like, you suck, da-da-da, <laughs> everything going on, you know, and somebody was like, why are you doing that? I'm like, oh, he's my friend, whatever. And then all of a sudden you hit that shot. And I was a LaSalle kid. You were in Niagara Falls. And my jaw, like, dropped. I was yeah. like, I can't believe he hit that shot. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 always best when you can peak in 11th grade. I think that was my peak right there in 11th grade. <laughs> it was funny because that I only played – that was my second game back. I had mono that year. I missed almost the entire season. Um, had mono. They turned into pneumonia. So if you if you ever go back, I still have the tape of the game, of course. If you could look back, you could see me running up and down the court, and I'm just I can't I am I'm coughing, you know. It was I, I still kind of didn't feel 100, percent but yeah, it was my second game back for mono, and uh, it was one of those where it was kind of all a blur, man. That game happened in about two, because I think I only I didn't play the entire first half. I think I only played about six total minutes, maybe. But uh, you got to make got to make the most out of your opportunities that's what i always told myself especially on those basketball niagara falls high school basketball teams you kidding me i mean you had you had six guys that played division one or two basketball on there so if i'm getting six minutes i gotta make the most out of my six minutes because i probably didn't even deserve those six minutes to be honest with you i you did yeah you didn't play your senior year did you i did no i played at the new high school at did you niagara falls high school yep yeah, played my senior year. Played the whole year. Um, I got in. I got some pretty good time. Um, played with 
amazing basketball players. You know who the, one of the best players I've ever played with who, um, you know, just couldn't kind of, couldn't get himself straight was Tony Moore. He was a LaSalle kid. Tony Moore, dude, his, his dribbling and just in his passing skills as a pure point guard, Tony, Tony was so good. You know, obviously Demondi was amazing. Yeah. You know, he, he ended up being the point guard at, uh, you know, at high school when we, when we combined and he's just, he's, he was an all around, just good dude, you know, good player, good person. Um, but Tony Moore, man, was one of those guys who I, I'll never forget, you know, he was a LaSalle kid and I was a high school kid, so I didn't really know him too well. And I'll never forget, you know, in games when he did play, I think he played maybe the first four or five games. He would, he would always say, I'm looking for you. You know, I want you, you know, I want you to take that three point shot. He, he really tried to get me the ball, which was, I always thought was cool for, you know, a kid who didn't really, didn't really know who I was. Yeah. Cause it was a, it was a very strenuous time for a lot of us. Oh, I bet. The school. I bet. I it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was everything from the coaching decision for them to give Bazzani the job to, you know, over Monty, that whole, that was a, a kind of a controversy. So, yeah. As a little kid, Monty was life. Oh, sure. I mean, deservedly so. I mean, when you, when you saw Monty walking through the hallways, that was like, <laughs> that was like Red Arlback or like Pat yeah. Riley or Phil Jackson walking through the hallways to us. It was like, oh it's like when, yeah, like when Manny Ramirez would come and do a rehab assignment in Buffalo for the Bisons or something. <laughs> that's, that's how you felt. Well, I mean, you look at Monty, some of Monty's teams that like the, in the Tim Wynn era. I mean, you even look at that Niagara Falls High School team that we beat you guys at the convention center game. That the Tim Wynn years, those guys, they was those would blow our teams out of the water. I mean, you, they were they were playing teams from New York City in the in the state championship and, and blowing them out and, and playing them. Those were some of the best skill wise skilled teams and coach teams that you know Western New York has ever seen. And I know even after I graduated, Niagara Falls High School had a lot of success with their basketball program, but those LaSalle teams, no one, no one would touch those teams, you know. Yeah, because the year it was DeWitt Doss. Oh, DeWitt was was really good. He he was a senior when I was a junior, yeah, yep. when we were juniors. So he was a senior in the convention center game. Um, he was a good ball player. Yeah, he was he was really good. We actually had uh, pretty much played a box and one on him is essentially was the defensive scheme that we, that we made. We put Rashawn Moore on him and Rashawn was, was so quick and he was kind of an unsung hero. I like, I love unsung heroes in, in games. And um, Rashawn was a huge unsung hero because I don't think he scored. I don't, he might not even have scored a basket that game, but he held DeWitt to a, a 12 or 13 points and to hold DeWitt to 12 or 13 points back then, he's probably averaging 26, 27 a game was a huge accomplishment. I mean, DeWitt was, I mean, he's division one, he played at Canisius. So he was, he was a good ball player. Well, then how you but mentioned, Rashawn, mentioned not having, not having the greatest stat line, but being an unsung hero, because uh, that is an argument I have with Matt Johnson, pretty much every single episode on the two point conversation when it comes to certain football players is that, you can have the, like star, like star Latulale. 
Yeah, or who like Troy Aikman? He thinks Troy Aikman's absolute garbage because of his stat line. I'm like, no, no, uh, no. Troy Aikman was really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't need to have a huge stat line when you got Emmett Smith behind him. You know that that was different football back then too. You hand the ball up thirty times to a guy a, a game, and <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, that was the. Uh, but that that's the one thing, like just straight stat lines, because. I know when I play Little League, I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. If I was going up there, it was like I'm walking or it was I'm just going to swing to see what I can get. And it's funny that I do that because I get on my daughter all the time now. When she's up to, up to bed, I go, are you just swinging to swing or are you actually watching the ball? <laughs> and she gets real mad at me, just so mad. The other thing that she gets mad at me about too that I – because that's the other – other thing too is is did you have a bat i don't ever remember you having like a bat did your dad buy you your own bat uh yeah yeah i'm sure ready? i remember i had a, a red easton i want to say red easton bat that I used. So my daughter wants like these crazy what is it demartinis or something like that bats probably like 450 dollars <laughs> i'm sure they are she gets really mad at me because i always tell her that of that a four hundred dollar bat won't fix a fifty cent swing, and she gets really <laughs> mad. But she has a really good swing. She's she's actually gotten compliments on her swing. So nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like if you, when you did swing, if you ever got a hold of one, though, I mean, it was going, it was going. It was just a matter of you seeing how far you can get around the bases. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the TV game. Do you remember that one? Talking about memories. Do you remember the TV game where Brian Beaver almost lapped me on the bases? I do. I think that's the day that I hit it to the tree out in DeVoe, too. Yeah. I, re I remember I walked the first. He smashed one. He smashed one out there. And I'm chugging. I was a Husky <laughs> boy back in the day. Well, Beaver was quick, though. Yeah, huh? Beaver was quick, though. Brian Beaver was by far. Him and Marcus Henderson were the two fastest kids on the team by far. That I got another good one that I, I've learned from Marcus Henderson that I yell at my daughter too, is I remember I, I hit the, or I got, I walked to first Brian Beaver smash one and he's super fast. So here I am chugging around and I don't know who the third base coach was and they're waving me on. And the next thing you know, I'm like, just like breathing as hard as I can. And then it's a close, I, I, I apologize to Brian Beavers because I messed up a home run because I couldn't get around the base quick enough. But I remember they were like slide and I, I was just so tired. I didn't even get my legs out. I slid on my knees. <laughs> so there's a video out there somewhere with me rounding, with me rounding third and then getting, getting to uh home and this the, I hear slide and I'm like I don't want to do this and I just like slid on my knees because I couldn't get my legs out it was like the Daniel Jones Steve Young run that's how bad it was like there was just like my body was like nope and I apologize to Brian Beavers for costing him his home run did, did were you safe I, I, I safe. vaguely remember this okay I, I vaguely remember that I think it was definitely against the Yankees was it against the Yankees I want to say it was the Yankees or the Phillies because it seemed like we always played the Phillies on TV. I definitely remember. I know for a fact when we were 12, we played the Yankees on TV. Maybe it was that's, the Yankees then. 
but I think I think when we were eleven, we did play the Phillies on TV. Because that's uh, I'm I'm not leaving today until I mention Billy Edwards. <laughs> well, Marcus Henderson, do you remember Marcus Henderson would bite his shirt because he'd pull his head? No, I don't remember that at all. You don't remember that? He was the only kid because he he kept on pulling his head. My on dad was getting on him about pulling his head. So he would pull his shirt all the way over, bite down on it, so that way he couldn't rip his head to the side whenever he would swing. And Smart. Now, was that a, was that a would, Coach George adjustment, or did he do that on his own? I think he just did it on his own, and my dad just let it go. Smart play. Well, I mean, it's a smart, smart thing, whatever is going to help. And I, to this day, I tell my daughter whenever I see her pull her head, I'll stand behind her. I, I'm very hands-off with my daughter, too, a little bit. Just little things. I got I to gotta tweak her. It annoys me. Yeah. And if I see her pull her head, I always go, bite your shirt. And then she gives me a look because I say it real loud. <laughs> Coach George style loud in front of everybody. And that's, I love it. I could, does, does, does Marcus know that? Does he know that he, that does he know that, that, you, that? Yeah. I don't know. But you should I've, let him know. <laughs> I uh, I pretty much peach. Remember, what it was David Coon. Was it David yeah. or Brian Coon? We had there was like, oh, he had, had the wacky. He had that wacky yeah. stance. Do you remember? The say, bat was like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he bring it up I, and swing. Yeah, I think that was, I think it was David. It was that. We had the was it Brian. It was, it was the younger one of the two. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Those were like the TDs. <laughs> That's fun. Some good names, man. Some good oh, names. Man. Can we can we talk about Billy Edwards? Let's talk about him. Let's I love let's... Billy Edwards is all right. So I'm I'm trying to trying to think about how we can start the Billy Edwards was a was an absolute man child. As as a ten year old, I remember him just being you would look at him and he just looked like a football player. He looked like a like a Buffalo Bill to you. I mean, he was just enormous and a, a very good baseball player too. I mean, he was he was a really good baseball player. But Billy Edwards played for the Phillies. So this is Billy, and um, he would probably throw 113 miles an hour at the major level. Fast. Oh my God, he he was he would throw the ball so hard because he was huge. I mean, he was just so muscular. He was built like a tree trunk. And the, the, but the problem with Billy is, is that they would put him out there and he would throw so fast. He didn't know where the ball was going ever once, like he, zero accuracy. So he would just go up to the, up to the mound and just throw as hard as he could and just pretty much get you out on intimidation. It reminds me of the John Crook swing against Randy Johnson. You remember that where he, he, he held one over, over his head by about 30 feet. And then Crux said, I'm not doing this anymore. And just kind of did like the whole, just I'm getting out of this at bat and swinging, not even trying at the next pitch. That's what was, that's what, what it was like facing Billy Edwards, especially as a 12 year old. I, I always remember literally stressing out the day of a game against the Phillies, thinking that Billy was going to pitch and it would stress me. I was never af afraid of anybody. You know what I mean? As a, as a player. I was terrified of Billy Edwards. I was terrified of him because of how big he was and um, just how fast he threw and how wild he was. Uh, and um, 
they didn't throw him as much as I thought. They threw uh, like Paul Martell. I remember they threw a lot. He was he was a good pitcher. He was a good good player. But um, I'm I was surprised that we met, we didn't face Billy very often. And yeah, it was like just one kid that, game that terrified. What's that? It seemed like every other game to me. See, for me, I, I remember that it, he didn't pitch that much for some reason. I don't know. I do remember, though, and I'm sure if Billy ever – I haven't talked to Billy in probably 25 years, um, but he'll remember this very fondly. I was pitching once, and I had two strikes on him, and um, I guess that doesn't really make a difference. But he – I threw one totally wild. It was like up in his face area, and he, the way he kind of protected himself – he swung, you know what I mean? Like it looked like a swing and the ball actually hit his bat, like the handle part of his bat and then plunked him right in the eye. And Joe, Joe Rahanek was the umpire. Mr. Ray, remember, or no, Todd Rahanek was, was the umpire. Do you remember Mr. Rahanek? He was kind of like a Giancola, George Lenz kind of guy, very military, military dude. And he put him on first base because he said hit by pitch. And I was like, no, no, you know, he, he swung the bat, it hit the bat, it should be a foul ball. And I'm like trying to argue my case, and Billy Edwards has this huge shiner already. His eyes are almost like shut, like swollen shut. <laughs> and I'm trying to argue that it was a foul ball and not a hit by pitch. But uh, but Billy, Billy, man, he was he was a scary, scary dude. Good player too. I remember it, it, you talk about getting hit by pitches. My brother and his friend, when they. They were just, they just got to the majors. So I was probably just getting into the minors and they took me aside before my first game in the minors. I think I was playing for, I want to say the Yankees, the Tony, the Tony Granato Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were like, Hey, do you want to get on base every single time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, how, how do you do this? Uh, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, you got to hit the ball, right? And they're like, no, no, there's a better way. And they were teaching me how to lean in to get hit by the ball. And it's, it's an unofficial, there might have been more, but I was beamed 13 times my first year in oh the minors God. in Little League. I caught two... Two underneath my armpit. <laughs> just that from leaning like, in. Yeah, just from leaning in. And I caught two. And I remember when I caught the first one, I just dropped my elbow. And my dad still ta- would still talk about it. He go, he go, it was like the funniest thing in the world. Nobody could find the ball. And then all of a sudden, you just <laughs> open up your arm and it dropped down into your hand. And you <laughs> handed it to the umpire. And they were like, take your base. And it was 13 times just because my brother and his friend were like, lean into the pitch, lean into it. The Roger Dorn strategy has to, I mean, it pays off as long as you, whatever it takes to get on base, right? Even in the minors. Billy Edwards, there was no digging in. I would, I wouldn't even dream of it. I was legitimately terrified in the batter's box. Never been terrified in my life of any pitcher. I've played. I played in the Babe Ruth World Series in, in 1999. I've actually been in the batter's box against Sergio Santos. I don't know if you know who he is. He was no. Um, he he got drafted as a shortstop by the Diamondbacks and ended up being a, a closer for a couple of years for the Blue Jays and the White Sox. And I've actually faced him in a in a Triple A stadium in Burlington, Iowa. And I remember not being as afraid of that as I was 
when I was in a batter's box against Billy Edwards because I literally thought I was going to take one to the face every single time. <laughs> I just was so terrified. The other thing I remember about the Phillies is too is that they had the, Ryan Micah as the catcher. J- Jimmy Micah. Jimmy Wasn't Micah. It Jimmy? Jimmy Micah. Okay, Ryan yeah. was the younger one. Jimmy Ryan Micah would talk to you. <laughs> if it was a different pitcher, he would talk to you like like ham from Sandlot. And he would just chirp in your ear and talk to you the whole entire time. But he did not talk when Billy Edwards pitched either. That was the only time I, I remember him not talking. But he would just say the most random things in the world. And I remember going up to my dad going, the catcher's, he just keeps on talking to me. And he's talking to me. And he said, and my dad was like, why don't you tell him you'll give him a bag of Skittles if he shuts up? And I'm like, why did he say that? And I guess Skittles were like his favorite candy or something, like a Marjan Lynch thing. And it was, but every time he would just be like, how are you doing today? And you're like trying to pay attention. And you just that is Jimmy Micah to the T, man. I, he's he's the, the goofiest kid I remember from, from Niagara Falls High School, man. And uh, I thought it was Laffy Taffy's and not Skittles. Maybe it was Skittles. For some reason, I know exactly what you're talking about. I thought it was Laffy Taffy oh, yeah, yeah, that he, he was, was obsessed like, with. So like, it was something. Him, he's like, go tell him that you'll buy him this candy if you, if you stop. <laughs> if he stops. And I was like, why would I do that? And I never got a chance yeah. to do it because I was about to do it because it was so annoying to sit there and listen to him just run his mouth back and yeah. forth. Just... Yeah. So annoying. Yep. I remember that. Jimmy's a funny, funny kid, man. Jimmy Micah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, he, was, uh, he was like the worst out of all of them. And I still remember <laughs> you mentioned T, and T had the best uh, windup in the world. When he was pitching? Yeah. yeah. You remember the little hop? I do. Yeah. yeah. I do. Because he was, he actually, he actually came in and pitched in that, um, that TV game when we were 12, he came in and pitched. Yep. I remember just watching him hop. Just poop. <laughs> to this day, that's the players, first. Man. Huh? Was some, we had some good good ball players, some athletic. We were athletic. That's what it was. Yeah. We, to this day, I still mention his hop to him. He, he actually started a business. So if anybody's out there and wants to buy some uh, bomb hoodies, go check it out. I got to, I'll give a shout out to T's business there. Nice. He was, he was there at my dad's funeral. It was, T was there. I know you were in Virginia at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T was there. I was actually shocked awesome. to see T. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that at all. That's awesome. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me though. T Bell was you know, one of the nicest kids. You, he really was. He was a good kid. We, uh, we definitely battled each other on Whirlpool basketball. I remember playing at St. Teresa's and we would, we would have some intense battles. He was on, I don't know what teams they had back then, but he was on one and I was on the other. And every time we played each other, we had some, some good, some good games, but that's, that's good to hear that he, that he was there. It doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. I was the YMCA basketball kid. Yeah. I I played there too. What was it? I played anywhere I could play. Pal, yeah. Pal. Well, no, Pal. Well, yeah, I guess that was YMCA Pal, yeah. I played Pal, and we had a coach, and then we almost had to forfeit a game because I guess our coach was a crackhead, and he got cracked out the <laughs> night before. 
This is how well, I remember. Uh, I'm not one hundred percent sure. I played with my brother. My brother told me some really messed up things that like blew my mind. Come on, like lean into a pitch, get hit constantly. But yeah. this shows you karma. This shows you karma. Is that that same year that I got hit thirteen times, nothing ever happened to me. He got hit once, and it chipped the bone in his arm, and it, like oh. broke his arm, and he was in a cast. Mr. Morello was waiting at the game. My dad called my mom. I don't know how, because this is like before cell phones. And he was like, you, can you come and get BJ? And she's like, yeah, why? He was like, uh, he broke his, I think we broke his arm. And there he was sitting on the bench with Mr. Morello. I didn't even know he oh, was a no. nurse until that point either. Oh, he was? I didn't know that. Yeah, Mr. Morello was a nurse. Oh, I had no idea. And there was also... Did your dad ever play in the coaches softball game? No, no. My dad was too too old for that. <laughs> he never he actually never coached baseball, did he? Maybe assistant. Yeah, he did. Maybe. He was, was he an assistant? assistant. Oh, okay. He was assistant our last year when we were twelve, okay. I wanna say. He probably probably did the books or something. Yeah, no, he wasn't I mean he was a hell of an athlete when he was younger, but all the, yeah, he did all the do. knee surgeries and stuff. Yeah, he did, because I remember when I was on the bench, you got to sit with Mr. Kasha, and he'd give you the <laughs> scores and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it, it was Dominic Ventresca's dad. He did third base. Yeah, that's what and, I thought. And then my dad was my on dad. the bench, and then the, or outside, never sat down. My father never sat no. down, now that I remember no. this. And your dad would be on the bench, and he'd do the scorebook. Yep, that sounds about right. I, de- I definitely remember that. Some Bazooka <laughs> Joe bubblegum. Oh, I was, I, that's funny because I was thinking that your dad had that big old bucket of it, the the circle, um, one of those giant buckets of Bazooka Joe, and we used to go ham on that stuff. We used to <laughs> we used to look like uh, the kids from Sandlot with a big old chunk in their chunk of Bazooka Joe in our cheek. <laughs> Have you? So I know you got two little ones. Have you done the coaching? So I did one year. So down here, there's a thing called blast ball down here um it's it's before it's essentially t-ball but it's with a um with a foam bat and a and a a base that squeaks (laughs) so they do that when they're when they're five and i coach that so there's only four kids on a team and uh you just you kind of just play through the order and um uh it's just really just kind of to have fun um then he played t-ball my older boy played t-ball for a year and I helped out. I helped out, but I wasn't the main coach. And then they were set to play this spring, both of my boys, um, Jared's six, Jackson's five, and uh, everything got canceled because of COVID. So they, uh, my youngest hasn't had a season in, but um, I, I, I play a lot with them in the backyard. And uh, you said, it's funny, you said you were hands off with your daughter. I'm, I'm very hands on, <laughs> too much. The way that things work, like she does travel mm-hmm. and it's so, it's so intense now as you get out of like the little league level, you get into travel. Like I never thought in a million years, I would pay somebody to teach my daughter how to hit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like I told her, you know, everything that I could know, even though I couldn't hit the ball, but you know, elbows up. It's, it's all in your legs. The power comes from there and everything else. And then 
you know, stop too. And then all of a sudden she had a coach that said, don't stop. And, uh, from the NU softball player, we, it was at the hot corner, like Tondawanda or something. She worked there and it was like $45 an hour. And she worked with her and she was in little league because her goal was the, she never played T-ball or anything. Her goal was to make a travel team. And we went in, so we were getting her prepared for that. And we, you know, paid all this money to get a swing. And then all of a sudden there was like this dad that thought he knew something, but he knew absolutely nothing was like trying to teach her how to swing. And this is the only time I've yelled at a coach in my whole entire daughter's career is I legitimately looked at him and I was like, Hey, a $45 an hour swing. She's got there. Do not touch it. We are not paying you. Do not touch that swing. There is nothing wrong with that swing. So I did that. And my first introduction to coaching was my daughter played for Cayuga was actually I got introduced when they were playing a game against Whirlpool. Whirlpool didn't have a softball team or have, they only had one softball team. And it, so there was like a lot of interleague play. Everything's like interleague play now in Niagara Falls. It's not like it used to be. Yeah. And the two coaches got into a fight, one from Whirlpool, one from my daughter's team. They both got kicked out. It got to the point where there was a Niagara Falls police detective that was like a father for the, one of the Whirlpool girls. <laughs> he came out onto the field because it got so heated, flashed his badge, and then uh, you watch two grown men like back up real quick from each other. So they both got ejected, and the guy just needed somebody to coach third, so I would coach third for him. And I couldn't do that because the rules are stupid, and I think they're dumb. Like once the ball hits, you can hit the ball in the outfield, but once the ball comes into the infield, they all have to stop running. Is that just a little league rule? It's yeah, because it was like minors softball. Because I would just tell them to go. Like you hit the <laughs> ball out that far, you just go. I'm like waving my arm, and the ump gave me a couple of warnings for it. So the next year, my daughter says, "Will you coach me?" And I said, "If you don't make a travel team." I will coach you. I said, I don't want to be a manager. Uh, you know, the horror stories from my dad and everything else. We mentioned them. I don't want to mention them on here, but I talked to you about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I don't want to be a manager. I'll, I'll be an assistant. And then my youngest son was like, well, what about me? And I said, okay, well, if your sister, if your sister does make a travel team, I'll, I'll coach you but only as an assistant. So I put down on the sign and sheet that I'll be an assistant. Next thing you know, I'm getting called into a meeting. So I'm thinking this is just a meeting of coaches and I ended up becoming a manager. So they get you. Oh yeah. And I was, we were the dash. I coached with, uh, do you know Mike Mackery? Uh, not Mackery's older brother. I know. So I know Jessica Mackery and that, side of the family. I don't know if they're related. They're um, probably related, yeah. but. Yeah, I coached with him. It was his kid because it was just me by myself. And it was like the first practice. And I'm thinking to myself, it, it's, these kids got to know something. 
And I mean, no disrespect to any kid playing, playing T-ball because this was T-ball. I'm like, okay, these kids got to know something. The first practice was like an absolute mess. Just absolute mess. Just complete garbage. So the next practice is, I remember because my, this was my, my youngest son's second year. So I remember how the games were played. So I was like, I'm going to play a little simulated game. And I actually got more coaches. So it was me and two other people. And I was like, I'm just going to do a simulated game to see what they can do. So I did that. And then after that, I was like, we need to do stations. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't know where to run. Mm-hmm. One kid didn't know which hand he actually threw with. <laughs> it was like, oh, it was like, oh my, it was fun though to watch them grow as the season goes on. But that's pretty much what I had to deal with. I remember my wife coming up to me and was like, you got to teach them to run through first base. And I was like, I got to teach them to run to first base before they can run <laughs> through it. <laughs> so I, I coached them and I did the, uh, the old towel trick too on hot days. Do you remember the old towel trick my dad yeah. used to do? Make sure you bring a towel uh-huh. and dip it in the ice water. I did that. Yep. Well, we used to do the who are, who are we? And we do the dash. I love it. I love it. That, that, that's got to continue on. I love that you continued that on. Yes, I continued it. But we, I had some pretty interesting, and these were, I had a good bunch of kids, good parents. I got to say that no, the, none of the parents interfered with me. The kids actually listened. It wasn't like complete chaos. No kids really See. played in dirt. The worst thing I did was I yanked the kid. He was playing shortstop. And he was kind of like looking down and a kid was round in second. And thank God nobody really saw me other than one other person. And I grabbed them by the back of his shirt and I yanked them back as hard as I could to get collided in there. But that was my, that was my softball career there was, or my T-ball career pretty much there. And then I did coach pitch with my, I did was an assistant for coach pitch with my son again for one year. And then he never played this year because of covid but that was my whole entire coaching was right there it's funny it was so when i did blast ball you reminded me uh, i like i said i had four four kids on my team three of them were one of them you know was my son and then two two other kids one was a kid in the neighborhood actually but i had this boy sebastian who um his parents were like straight from mexico i want to say and I couldn't get Sebastian to stay on the field. Like he was running somewhere the whole time. And I didn't know what to do. Cause I'm literally the only coach because there's only four kids and he would be, he would be on the next baseball field over. And I just remember his dad running after him, Sebastian, Sebastian, come back. <laughs> and he would like bring him back and he would be, he would stand there for a second. The dad would stand there and then he would walk back away. And then Sebastian would take off again somewhere else. <laughs> it's just like it was it was herding cats. It was the first time I ever heard that expression, herding cats, because that's what every parent told me was coaching blast ball was like herding cats. And um, that's my my last managerial experience. It was fun. Like you said, I think I, you know, I had fun with it. But, um, you know, I, there's too many horror stories, like you said, like we talked about for parents, especially the older that they get and the more skilled that they get, the, the higher the competition, um, yeah. the drama just it never stops. And I'm, I'm somebody that does not, does not like that drama. I like to shy away from that. So 
I'll mm-hmm. be there for my boys to what to watch him play. My my oldest has a hell of a swing. He he can hit the ball. He's he's pretty good. But um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a different, very very different world. Everybody thinks their kid's a superstar and gonna become a champion, and it's right. not that case. It's not that case at all. I but I did hear the expression of herding cats as well not until after I was done. My biggest complaint was being a manager was I felt more kind of like what an NFL head coach does now. I felt like I was doing more PR than actually coaching because I would have to go into these meetings like before a game and it'd be like, it don't want to be anything constructive. It would be like, okay, we're doing a fundraiser this week. Can you get your parents to give you money? And my wife was my wife wasn't happy at at that point. I was like, I'm not gonna ask these people for money. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out and I'm just gonna buy a bunch of stuff at like five below, throw it in a basket, and that's gonna be the auction from us. But it was like that. And then they would do lottery like lottery numbers, make sure it would felt like I had to like just like remind all the parents all the time, like stupid stuff. Not like, hey, your kid's getting better here. He's doing a good job. No. Hey, you can't have your uniforms unless you turn in this money. Your kid can't play unless you turn in this money, even though you just paid this amount of money. And it just got, that was my biggest complaint about it. Other than that, it was, it was fun. It was fun to watch some kids. I watched, this is one that I'll say, and people may think badly of me, but I'll, I'll tell this story. So we do, it, it, the first year in T-ball, it was, it's all like coach pitch. So it's me pitching to my team, and then it switches. So this kid, it was Mike Macri's kid. <laughs> he hit the ball. And this is where I knew times have changed, too. He hit the ball. This kid went to go field the ground ball. And, you know, if you hit get the ground ball at the wrong angle, you ever see the ball go up somebody's thing? Well, it went mm-hmm. up his arm. And it popped him in his, like, underneath his chin. And I saw it. And I kind of, like, chuckled a little bit. And then everybody was like, oh, my goodness, is he okay? And I remember having to pull up my shirt. Because I was, like, <laughs> still kind of smiling about it. You hit another kid, like, right in the jump, too. That was pretty – that was um, – well, it wasn't cool, but to watch it. Yeah. And that was a – I used that as a learning moment. I made sure when that kid got hit in the junk, I said, see, see, that's why you pay attention. Because you never know where the ball's coming. <laughs> but those were like the two yeah. like low highlights of my coaching you, career there do you remember not to, to change the subject but do you remember the the greatest thing um of hoping a foul ball crushed a car at devoe do you remember that because the yeah. parking was so close like right by the diamond if somebody hit a, a high fly ball you just watched it the whole time just hoping and praying that it would smash a windshield on a car or like, you know, hit a car and just create a huge dent. And it did. A lot of times it did. And you would just cheer and it would be the greatest thing. <laughs> I just remember, man, like how simple and awesome times were when that, that was what you were looking forward to in a game. <laughs> it's a car getting crushed by a fall ball. It was either that or every once in a while going to the ice bridge after the game. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for the, the, the slice of pizza and the little fountain orange soda you'd get after the game after every game from mrs micklin at the little concession stand there 
and, and warheads. Do I would buy a quarter. Yeah, a quarter for yeah. It, so I I was talking to my my boys about it. They they love sour stuff, and I'm like, I gotta get you some. Well, I can't find them anywhere. I gotta get them online, um, like through Amazon or something. Because I can't find you have them. A five stores. below. Um, Fredericksburg, it's about forty five minutes away. Oh, because they sell them there. Like they have like straight penny candy. Like you get a bag and you throw it in there, ten pieces for a dollar. Oh, I might get do a, that then. Good get call. A homies, all that stuff. Okay, because I remember. Little League Baseball is what got me started on Warheads. I remember eating so many yellow sour Warheads after games that my tongue would literally be sore for three days after. And just how sour those things were. <laughs> I could never do a Warhead. I think Otis oh. used to eat them. Otis <laughs> used to eat them and he would bring them over because Otis and my brother were friends and he'd bring them over. And then they obviously, my brother just tortured the crap out of me. I, you weren't there to witness that too much. Um, no, <laughs> but he they were like, give them to me. And I remember one time I was like, I'm going to do this. And I put it in a glass of water to like get out the sour before I mm-hmm. actually tried to eat it. They were, they, they were sour. Yeah. So, yes. You, so your brother, the, what I remember the most about your brother. So when, when your dad had lived, lived next door to, to us, um, you guys would come over and it was when he was in the upstairs of, of the next door and your brother i'll never forget this about your brother because i thought it was just like the coolest thing in the world back then being a huge sports nerd and everything is he would with his baseball cards he would put them in by teams and he would check the paper every day for guys who got like designated for assignment or called up or traded and he would check like that it used to be in the newspaper you know and he would adjust his cards every day based on you know like which team like what guys were called up for the majors what guys got what guys got demoted it was i don't know to me it was the coolest thing back then because he was a little older than us you know so he, yeah. he was wiser i should say but i just that that's was, the one thing i remember of him that was for our video game baseball league okay we did a i talked about this with ed when we did techno super bowl but we did it for all sports he would keep the binder and that was your team so you actually physically got to look at your team because you played it on like hardball for like sega genesis and they didn't have the actual players but you could change the names so we would keep it in the binder and he would say who whose team or what team do you want and we assigned contracts to these guys and everything else and i want to say he was the mariners am i right on that one I was the Mariners. You were the Mariners. Okay, I knew the Mariners were definitely a team. I was the Mariners. He was the Yankees. He was always the Yankees. And he okay. would do it that and he would do it that way. And me and him would have just knockout arguments because it's a video game and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of like fantasy for us. Mm-hmm. So we would fight over that because I wanted to be like, okay, I'm gonna trade this guy and this guy, and I want like Jeff Bagwell. And he's like, no, you can't do that. Jeff Bagwell wouldn't get traded for that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll throw in this guy. And we would throw in minor league. And I would have to like literally, because did you ever see the minor league box that he had? Yeah. Yeah. And I would sit there and go, uh, this guy. Okay. I want Jeff Bagwell. And he was like, no, you can't do that. So we would fight <laughs> about this. But that is how I learned the pitching rotations. Mm-hmm. Is just by doing that. But that's what he did. We had a whole book 
I wish I wish you would have been able to see the record books. We had whole books of all that stuff. That's, that's awesome. And I remember we did a football one similar to that. We did a football like uh, with cards. Do you remember that when we yes. would? We did it with somehow with dice. I want to say right. Was it dice yep. that we did? And we did. I just I remember having Rod Smith on my team. That was my big. That was my big receiver. And we got to like you'd pick the play and you you'd got to pick like who you wanted that pass to go to. A uh, twenty yard pass. I'm going to give it to Rod Smith. And we would literally we did the same thing. We had a book and we would write you know pass to Rod Smith for twenty yards. Yeah. John Elway to Rod Smith for twenty yards or something like that. And we would we would play. It's just funny that. That those I, I looked forward to any time that you were there on the weekends. I, I wanted you to be there every single weekend so we could do we could do those games. Uh, that was a, that was a great time in my life. I was like, is Andrew over this weekend? Come on. You're in like your dad's little fantasy league. I remember every Sunday morning I'd have to go and get my lineup to him with like a dollar twenty-five and quarters <laughs> for the week, you know. And we would draft fantasy teams, and I would take Brett Favre no matter what because he was always my favorite my favorite player ever so yeah he's actually your dad is who got me started in, in fantasy football to be honest with you yeah because it was like a what a five-man league no four yeah it was it was, it was four. Like i think me, it was just me me you joanne and, and your dad i believe yeah that was like the yeah. that was like our whole entire weekend was fantasy football going to mcdonald's walking up and down pine <laughs> avenue uh yeah Playing the football card game, going on AOL to try and get picks. Yeah. <laughs> and you practicing how to kick. That was the other one. Oh, and yeah. playing hockey. <laughs> playing hockey yes. in the alley. Oh, that was yep. uh, speaking of baseball, do you remember? I completely do you remember the the home run derby game that we used to play, but we would play it by by feet in every house you hit it over or by. We counted it as yes. one hundred feet. Yes, and we, would, and we would crank it, and then go try and find the yard that we hit it into. I just yes. remember that. Yes. Oh man, Twentieth Street. Nothing else to do, man. <laughs> it was nothing. It was good, but like dude, you don't see that. It's like, like we back then, you had to do that. You had to use your creativity. You know, it's just it's yeah. funny because I'm I'm a teacher now, and what I see in in schools is we kind of taken away the creativity of kids. You know, we're, we're we push math and, and language arts so hard and and teaching to a test so hard that you take away the creativity of kids and you don't see that now there's an app for everything and you don't really even need to do that you know even they got mm. the whole stratomatic board games that you can even do now but you know back back when we were kids you know you just you thought of those things and you did them and you know it was, you had to use your creativity <laughs> i don't remember really playing like a video game like i played in the morning I played at night. Yeah, we didn't play. Like, like if, if you had to go somewhere, then I'd be like, okay, I got, I'm going to go play this game. But other right. than that, I remember, I don't think we were ever inside unless we were playing the football game or mm-hmm. doing our nine-hour drafts in your basement with all the cards all <laughs> over the place, trying to figure out yes. what offensive linemen we wanted. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was the best, man. Those, those were was the greatest. It was. Yeah. All right. You got anything else you want to add or? Um, no, uh, just again, um, you know, your shout out to your dad. He was, he was kind of the heart and soul whirlpool and, and a major, major memory of me. Oh, last thing actually. Yeah, I do one thing. Um, uh, he would always blast 
the song put me in coach remember that put me in coach yeah. i'm ready to that? play he he would play that wouldn't he wouldn't he play that song i, I want to say for some reason i remember him doing that or was it no, no 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 it wasn't that it's we are family it was the actual pi- remember the pirate yeah. song we are family he would he, that's the song he would do i remember okay, that yeah, i do remember that Okay. I remember being happy with the pitching machine. <laughs> yeah. He, he was the only guy that was like, okay, we're not going to use it to pit like for batting practice. And he was like, I'm just going to straight shoot the highest fly ball <laughs> ever in the world with this thing at these kids. And we would all line up one yep. after each other. And then he would just, you just hear. Yep, it was like the jugs machine in football. <laughs> he used it like a jug for, for special teams, for kick returns. <laughs> it would just be like in the air. It probably wasn't as high, but being like 11, 12 years old, it was like, oh my goodness. And then you would have yes. to like rifle it in. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. So yeah, just shout out to him, man. He was an awesome coach, awesome guy. Um, you know, I knew him kind of in the coaching world and then outside of the coaching world. Um, you know, as, as we were growing up and hanging out and him living next door. And, uh, you know, he was just a, a genuine person too. You know, he was, he was just a good, good guy. He would always look out for you. So, yeah. Thank you for the kind mm-hmm. words from my dad there. Yeah. I, know he, I know he's missed. He is missed. hundred percent. And on that note, thank you everybody for listening and good morning, good afternoon. You hear any new podcasts lately? Uh, yeah, I have. Like what? Retroblist. You had that ready to go. Like, almost like you knew I was going to ask you this. I sort of kind of did. It was like an ESP feeling. What's Retroblist? Retroblist is a retro video game podcast presented by Johnny and Trevor, where they talk about everything from retro gaming, retro consoles, they each week review a different video game that they have played. Uh, majority of the time, it is retro, like on the actual console itself, from Sega Dreamcast to Super Nintendos to. Um, I think they recently started playing on a Nintendo Switch. Where can I find this podcast? Uh, you can find it at bicbp-radio.com. Sweet.